And we're back. This is Isaiah Smallwood with W-H-Y-Z-Z-Q-R-F-T-L in Seattle, North Dakota. Uh, I'm here with my boy, John. Hey, Johnny Bear on the ones and twos. Johnny Bear on the ones and twos. WPHL, Philadelphia. Okay. John, you we're back. You asked me, Yeah. do I think I'm going to make a good movie? Do you think you're going to make a good movie, and are you a good director? Woo, baby. Oh, gosh. John. Oh, man. The preamble to this is that in about, depending on what the rest of my day looks like, I'm going to take an extremely hot bath, and I'm going to be doing a little reading. Oh, reading what, John? I got a little script in the mail. Oh, baby. By the name of Rollers. Oh, shit. And I'm going to read it today. I have almost, to be honest, I have almost no idea about this script other than what we've talked about it. So I I have Basically, you know as much as the audience knows. Yeah, totally. I mean, we've talked in private a little bit about it, but you've never really, aside from what we've done on the show, you haven't explained the script much more to me. So I know about as much as whoever listened to this knows. Mm. Uh, But I'm going to read it today. And I'm a little, I'm nervous a little bit. I've been nervous to be honest, after we talked the other day, I got a lot less nervous, and I was like, mm-hmm. I got to just read this thing, because you were getting some seriously good feedback, and I think my biggest fear was that I was going to read it, and I was going to hate it, and then I would have to tell you that I hated it. And, and it you be would be one of the first people that told me it's bad. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, we're friends, we're doing this podcast together, I thought it would be awkward, and I didn't really think that would happen, but it's a 50-50 in my mind, like, mm-hmm. it's it's a 50-50 Let's say it's great, but I just it doesn't hit me. That's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I it, we'll, and we'll discuss that. There's a bunch of variables in here that make me slightly nervous, but I'm going to read it today, and I'm excited. I can't wait. So just to preview that too, what we're going to do, I think this is kind of a fun idea. We will talk about your thoughts in a general sense on air soon, probably next week. Okay. Um, what I also want to do though, John, is have a, 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 a an in depth detail oriented conversation where we where we go beyond probably what the average audience member is going to know about the movie and we talk in detail about everything ranging from characters to the ending to just really specific stuff and i think we hold that episode Mm -hmm. probably for a solid year john is that how long it's going to be until this movie comes out (laughs) yeah is it really yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Dude, this is, industry sucks. Am I is there a way that I or not necessarily me but somebody could when will you're going to shoot it in February, let's assume. Mm-hmm. And let's say you're done no shooting. No assumptions, it. it's happening. Okay, so you're shooting in February, you're going to should be done by March, right? The beginning of March. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. End of February. Yep. We're let's starting say at the end of January actually, so. It takes how long to edit and post-production all that? A month? Well, so my this is a whole another conversation that we should do a full episode on. But sure. um I have a, a co-editor. I'm also going to be editing with an <laughs> Fancy editor. that I, it, given yeah, our last exactly. conversation. Uh, I know. It, it, but uh, again, it's soon to be one editor, just you. When that guy's <laughs> like, "You know what? I got to go work on something <laughs> else." You do it. Oh boy, I know. Um, so I have a co-editor who's very talented, um, and I'm very excited about working with her, but, um, she is going to be on set as what is called the, the, the DIT or digital loader or assistant editor where the, 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 those are all very different roles, but she's kind of filling all of them. And effectively she's going to be on set creating what's called dailies, Mm. which is where you just watch unedited cut versions of everything you shot and this they started edit back that? i know I, you said it's unedited what do, what do they cut well, though you just it's, have to prepare it okay you know you so like, say you shoot a scene you might shoot that scene 10 times yeah you uh, with the dailies be probably all 10 cut a couple of them maybe if i just say don't keep it you know mm-hmm. like if it's a clear but yeah i mean you you, you kind of watch all the mess ups and 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 sometimes the entire all the departments at least the heads of the departments come so that they can watch their stuff this whole tradition kind of started 
before there was digital playback, you mm-hmm. know, so you had to watch stuff to make sure that it was exposed properly and to catch errors and to, to, to watch it because otherwise all you have is real time. There was no video assist. How would they, um, um, back in the day when it was on, or if you did it on film, you'd have to go produce that somewhere. I mean, process it somewhere. So, yeah. So, um, the, before, uh, the, the current process is that most cameras have some sort of, it's called video assist, a digital output, where it's uh, a lower quality version, but you see a digital representation gotcha. that is very similar to what's being captured on film. Oh, Before cool. that, that was kind of invented with video, basically, sure. like video in the sense of of uh, tape. Mm-hmm. You know, they they would, and it, there were different versions of it. I I honestly don't know the details of it. I, I think there was probably there have been people who have like taped a freaking camcorder to the thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, there's yeah. different levels of sophistication. Before video, though, um, yeah, you had to rush it. They call them rushes sometimes, but you rush them off. As soon as the cans are filled, you rush them off to the lab, and then you usually watch the day before stuff the next day, mm. and um, you watch like a sort of shitty version of it. But it's a it's a film print, you know. That's part of the reason film's expensive. Um, so this process, you got this gal who's going to be working on this, and this process will take how long? About about a month. Mm, I mean, she could easily have a cut, or I would say an assembly, mm-hmm. um, within two weeks of wrapping. Okay, two weeks after wrapping. Which is not common. Most people don't have it. Uh, you know, this is a newer phenomenon, but I like the idea of having an editor on set because I've done it before. And I just, uh, it there's downtime for them while they're on set, and I just think it's a better use of time to start putting stuff together so that we can like actually watch scenes, even though they're rough. And start to basically say, yeah, we're still here. That didn't work so well. Let's go back and get it again before we're gone, you know, before mm-hmm. we strike the set, before we're out of here. Hmm. Yeah, that's just, that seems like a good idea. Plus, they, they kind of have a better idea of what's been shot because they're right there seeing right. it. Right, exactly. Um, so <laughs> what I was going to say, though, is uh, how soon can you watch the movie? Yeah, you will. Pro- some people will probably watch a cut of the movie in March. Some other okay. people will probably watch a different cut of the movie in April. Um, more people will probably watch a cut of the movie in June or July. I imagine when we've had more time to do like sound and all the details Yeah, and we'll probably do some test screenings and, and start getting notes from a broader group of people. But then it'll probably, I hope premiere at some sort of festival either in the fall or early spring. And then it will probably be released to the public sometime in early or mid 2020. Whew. Yeah, it's a long road. Wow, but it will be presumably in festivals sh- as short as six to eight months after you're done. Yeah, that would be the hope. But it depends on you know where where it gets into. And sure, there's only yeah, so many festivals, you know. Yeah, so there we are. So what I was gonna say, um, well, there are a few questions on the table. Uh, the biggest one being, am I a good director? And are you gonna make a good movie? Mm. All right, I um that's a okay. That's like that to me is a harder question to answer than any other question to be honest. Yeah. You know, I'm not afraid of you or anyone else saying like how the heck are you going to convince people to do this or how are you going to make a good movie for cheap? Those sort of logistical questions are easy what's hard is turning it kind of on myself because because it's scary you know Mm -hmm. um is it scary because you're afraid of the answer or you're afraid to say the answer i think both Mm -hmm. let me think on it i have a i have a song john that i want to play you really this is a tradition hold on one sec i'm gonna grab my guitar Hit us with the jam. I, I'm part okay. There's a couple reasons I'm playing this song, John. Okay. First, um, I think it kind of illustrates. The <laughs> I'm gonna give a little context to the song, John. Mm. Okay. In college, um, I had stopped playing the various instruments that I had had gained some proficiency at in the past, mm. and I was no longer really talent uh, skilled enough at any instruments to be recruited. But the, you know, the college I went to, there were always bands forming and 
there was a really vibrant, you know, you went there too. There was a very vibrant live performance culture. You know, my hall, we would host shows and, you know, the catacombs had catacombs folk fest, shout out to catacombs mm-hmm. folk fest. And like, I mean, it seemed like twice a month there was a festival of some kind where there were live performances. And so I was constantly frustrated because I'm a performer, you know, I wanted to perform, but I was not proficient enough at any instruments to be recruited into anyone else's bands. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And so I made a decision that I would start my own band and it would be a cake cover band. Are you familiar with cake? Ooh. Oh yeah. Okay. And we called ourselves tort. Um, cake tort was, uh, was a band that I started, but there were certain guidelines to this band. The first was that we, uh, never play cake songs. We never cover the actual cake songs. We're a cake cover band, but we don't play cake covers. We don't play cake covers. You just ate cake while you played? Not even, no. It was just, we just didn't, cake had nothing to do with it. And then we also, the other rule was that I was the only permanent member of the band. And I'm not making uh-huh. this up. That was my rule. And I, I did sometimes play with people multiple times, but we probably played, Tort probably played eight or nine times total. And, uh, and, and most of the time it was different people and we, and we covered everything ranging from, you know, a couple flight of the Concord. It was a cover band, but we played some flight of the Concords. We played feel like making love by bad company. We did some Rolling Stones covers. We did some, um, we did all sorts of stuff and I would just, uh, I would recruit the people that I felt like would make the best band. And sometimes mm. those were not the same people. And, um, I didn't realize at the time, but that very much relates to what we were talking about. Like I didn't fit into anyone else's group, you know? So you made your own. So I made my own group. And, uh, one of the things that I did was one day I decided to, you know, there's all these amazing performers and amazing singers and it was Christmas. And I decided that I was going to sing the song, the famous, the unmistakable, the overplayed. Oh, Holy night. Mm. Good song. Um, I decided that I was gonna 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 perform it for everyone. So, and there's a thematic relevance to why to why I'm performing this song, but we'll cover that afterwards. I feel like I should turn my headphones down because I know how high this song goes. It's high. All right, hit me. I think. Oh, holy night! The stars are brightly shining. It is the night. Of our dear Savior's birth Long lay the world In silver pine Until he appeared Where the soul felt his worth The thrill of hope Very good. I had the microphone on mute, and I was wailing along with you, my friend. Uh, I wish you hadn't muted it. Anyway. Um, my neighbors wish I didn't live here. Oh, baby. Love so, it, dude. How, wait, 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 wait. You're in a house I know, but you got to have people close by. I mean, not that close. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I love singing that song that way, partly because it's so often sung badly. Mm-hmm. Unintentionally, yeah. Also, it's fun to sing it badly. Also, I think I probably love singing things badly, to our point, because yeah. if I sing it bad, right. then I can't be judged for singing you it badly. You cannot be mocked. Right. 
because I'm mocking myself. And I'm I'm doing that <sighs> yeah. partly because I do think it's enjoyable and fun and funny. But also, I do think there is a there there's an undertone to that that my therapist would not let me off the hook with if she was listening to this podcast right now. She'd be like, "Yeah, you're laughing at yourself, but you're also trying to prevent yourself from being laughed at. You want to laugh with people, mm-hmm. you know." Yeah, this is the idea that a comedians would tell any comedian Absolutely. would tell you this, right? Absolutely, because if I sing, I I can maybe sing. You know, I've sung songs in in earnest before on this show. Sure. But sure. if I sing a holy night totally in earnest, um it's it's scary, you know? And right. uh and again, I prefer to sing this song this way because there's plenty of people singing this song excellently, and then there's plenty of people trying and sucking, but it's fun to me to sing it badly. But again, I think it all plays into the answer to your question that is sort of the theme of this episode, which is Am I a good director and am I going to make a good movie? Well, are you, kid? <laughs> I don't want to answer quite yet because we have to do the mail, John. And then I'm going to answer. I oh, we got to do the mail. Um, <coughs> who's, John, who's in the mailbag today? Well, I sent you this earlier and I thought it was just the sweetest note. I just think yeah. it's the best. We got a we got a uh, we got a message from a good friend of the show. Cody. Cody. Thanks for writing in. Um, I, I we, we get some mail, and usually it's uh, it's not – well, no offense. It's just usually not – it just doesn't make the cut. But you know what? I'm going to read you a, a, an abridged version of, of Cody's message because I just think it's very sweet. All right. Um, he, Cody writes, hey, I've been listening almost from the beginning of the podcast. I found you after the Film Riot episode that had Zay on it. I'm a hobby filmmaker, and I always love listening to anything about movie making – when I first started listening, you mentioned the one guy in Wisconsin listening to the show. I am from Wisconsin, and I was oh. driving to work by myself when I listened to that episode. He's, of course, referring to Teddy Bronson. Yep. Um, I, had a pre- I had a pretty good laugh thinking you had just picked a random state, but since you explained it about Teddy Bronson, you now have two whole fans in Wisconsin. I, of course, uh, yeah, Teddy, Teddy is our number one fan in Wisconsin, Cody, but you are locked locked and loaded in number two. Oh yeah um, you're number one in my heart buddy yeah he also cody also writes today i was looking for a movie to watch on amazon prime and i found a movie called high spirits no the description did not sound you remember high spirits of course stoner ghost stoner and ghost the, descri- the description did not sound as good as the movie you talked about making and they had no mention of ghosts smoking weed so i think we're in good shape I love the podcast, and I always wait in anticipation for the next episode. I also really enjoy the Rabbit Trails Inside podcast you do in the middle of an episode. Thank you, Cody. Um, that Cody, is super that, sweet. That is the nicest thing I've ever been written in my entire life. I'm married. I've got two kids, and that's the sweetest thing anyone's ever said to me. Ballin'. Same, same. Even that's... though you didn't mention me at all, love you a hundred, bro. John, he clearly was referring to you when he talked about side podcasts (laughs) when he said all that all that nonsense you guys do in the middle yeah exactly Um, that is very nice uh love it has did anybody take our challenge of writing up like their depressing life story for us no good probably (laughs) for the best we had like one or two (laughs) that's right we did read archie's on air Mm -hmm. Uh, his made me feel extremely uncomfortable about our military Mm -hmm. i know just kidding, Archie. Go, Archie. Keep, keep on rocking in the free world, buddy. Um, okay, so so I'm going to stop pussyfooting around. Um, yeah. You know, all right. I, I'm really like, I'm really not trying to be cagey. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't like being on the record with these kinds of things, you know, because, right. uh, well, because I, I am not as, it's a it's a paradox. Like I think the answer to this question is a paradox. It's it's simultaneously true and false at the same time. I I think that I I wow. It's like hard for these words to even come out of my mouth. Um, I and I'm I'm not being like funny right now. I'm literally I keep stopping subconsciously. I think is like an anxiety defense mechanism against possible future failures. But I'm going to force them out. I think I'm a good director. There you go. And I think I can make an excellent movie. And in 10,000 years, where you're standing, there's going to be a glacier. So it doesn't matter, my friend. (laughs) 
Yes. Or even worse, somebody's going to do a super, like you're going to be on super deluxe and there's going to be clips from your movie of people acting so atrociously mm-hmm. that it's laughable and it's going to be cut next to you on this podcast and be like, I'm a good director. Oh. And it's going to be like, hey, welcome to R- Rollers. Oh, yeah. That's the fear. That's the real anxiety that you're going to end up as an internet joke. <sighs> yeah. Or, or that, Sorry, I should um, be putting my fears in your head, my friend. No, it's good. It's true, though. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about, it, again, if I say, eh, I'm okay, then if I'm good, people are like, oh, my gosh, he's so humble. Oh, my mm. gosh, where did he come from? But if I'm mm. like, yeah, I'm really good. I'm the best. Mm. Then when I'm not the best, I look like an idiot. Yeah, even if you're good, but you said you're the best. Me and my son watch these boxing matches, and th- there is a real... I have a real hard time with this because before the fight, you got two guys that are so braggadocious. You mm-hmm. kind of have to be. You got to pump yourself up to believe yep. that you're going to kill this game. guy. Yeah, yeah. You watch these guys. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to. I'm going to kill him. His family. I'm going to punch him so hard. He's going to. His brain's going to go out of his head. Mm-hmm. And then you see the guy about 45 minutes later, just beaten, a beaten man. You know what does that guy say then? It's crazy. Yeah. But if that guy is standing next to the other boxer and he's like. Uh, I don't know. I hope I do okay. He's fucked. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. He's already I mean, fucked. I know. And it's just so hard because... Yeah. Dude, it's hard. Because I, 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 you're right, man. I know if I go into this thinking... If I, if I, if I start right now telling people, yeah, I'm hoping for the best, this movie's not going to get made, dude. Have you been saying that? No. But I also haven't been saying I, I I've been very sparing with my um, pump up talk, you mm-hmm. know, and I need to be less sparing with it because the truth is I am really excited. Uh, the the truth is, I think I actually let me let me explain why I think I can make a good movie, and why I think I actually might be a good director. Um, it's not because I think I just have this innate ability, you know. I I think I think that I could be a good director again the same way that a good Formula One driver or a good basketball player or a good head coach can do those things it's because I have had people like my parents my grandparents my friends my teachers this uh the you know our society that values people like me white men I am a beneficiary of a broken system that 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 gives white men advantages. I am very aware of that. And I even there I feel like I have a duty to steward those opportunities that I have been given as a dude in a society that values dudes and as a white dude in a society that values white dudes. I have a job to make as good a work as I possibly can to make everyone proud and then to open doors. I think for other people, I do think that that's part of my calling a little bit is to like lead people artistically, but also from a business standpoint to lead us into perhaps a better way of doing things. And I think that the reason I partly mentioned that is I do think that that desire, which is deeply embedded inside me is perhaps part of what, makes me a quote-unquote good director. You know, like the fact that I have the desire to change things and to be excellent um, and the motivation and the fact that I have been given the opportunities that I've been given, it's, it's the combination of all of those things simultaneously that I think could make me a good director. The same way that you can be a good basketball player, but if you're not exceptionally talented and given the right opportunities at the right time, you will never have the opportunity to be a, a truly excellent basketball player. And so am I an excellent director? No, I don't think so. Could I become an excellent director if this movie is good enough to give me an opportunity to make a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth movie? I think one day I could be an excellent director. You know, I think, I, I think I've done a lot of work to learn how to build teams and how to manage people and how to negotiate with investors and how to um, lead. I think I've learned a lot about writing. I think um, I think I've taken a lot of advice and worked really hard to 
not just phone in a script and not just, you know, I'm, I'm trusting more so than myself. I'm trusting the process and I'm mm. trusting the people who are investing in me and I'm trusting that they're going to push me to be better and that my job is not to be the best at everything. My job is to have the vision and to empower other people who are specialists. And my job is really to pick those specialists and then set them on a path and then let them go. You know, that's how I feel like my job is shaping up. And, and I think I'm equipped to do that to some extent. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So, Well, I see from my perspective of you, what, if I had to answer that question, I think it could be as simple as good taste and an ability to make things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that can constitute a great director or a, yeah. at least a competent or a good director. At least, if yeah. You, I mean, especially producers. Sure. Yeah. So it, it, we'll find out to some extent, but also, yeah, it, it is a weird thing in the arts to, that you're presenting a com, a completed product and right. you're judged by that, um, which it's fine and it should be that way. But you also you will grow. Like this isn't going to be the last thing you do, right? Hopefully. Totally. I mean, unless well, it's no, like and again, thing. and and again, I'm I'm kind of like I've done part of why I think I'm prepared is because I've I've worked on movies, I've talked to people who have worked on different movies, I've read books, I've made a bunch of a bunch a bunch of things and um and I am like I said I'm trusting the process. You know, I'm trusting that by putting the work in, I will automatically make something better than if I don't put put the work in. Now, you can't just work your way into having a special spark, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's part of what I'm trusting is that by waiting as long as I did to make, not that I waited forever, but by not just rushing into making this movie, by waiting until I had an idea that was like, I gotta make this. And then by waiting until it was the right time, and then by waiting until the right people came along, like Tara and Greta, and then by waiting for the right venue and searching and digging and always turning over six more rocks than I think I need to in the writing process, like throwing out the first three, three versions of a joke, throwing out the first three versions, the first 10 versions of the script by always just like trusting the process. My hope is that even if I am at best a, a competent or mediocre director that by doing the work, and having decent taste and hiring people that have good taste, that it will at least be worthwhile. Now, getting over that hump is where it gets extra, extra, extra hard. You know, like getting to good is very difficult, but it's like a, a, a logarithmic. Why do I always talk about math? I don't know shit about math. <laughs> um, it's a, that, but that's correct though. Like it's logarithmic. Like there's, there's like, 99% of well let's say golf cuz i used to play yeah. golf i still golf okay. sometimes most people who play golf never break 100 mm. then there's a tiny percent like 5% of people who play golf who who go on who shoot in the 90s and then there's like an even smaller percentage of people who can shoot in the 80s and then there's this like micro- is that true are you kidding me dude so few people you can shoot in the 90s. I've shot – I don't consistently do it, but I've shot in the 90s for I sure. I mean, maybe the 90s is more the cutoff or something. I don't know. I just know 5%? that most people – 5%? That seems so No, small. I don't know if it's 5. Let's find out. But I'm just saying like – It's a small number. Okay, it's a shockingly you. small number because most people who play golf play casually and they suck. Yeah. Um, Frustrating and, game, y'all. Yeah, exactly. But my point is what I'm really getting to is regardless of what the – Regardless of where the big, big, big cutoff is, the reality is like in terms of like 95 versus 5%, the reality is that the biggest cutoff is between pro players and excellent amateurs. Mm. That's easily the hard, going from being a scratch golfer, which for those who don't know is where you shoot below par, which par is the expected number of strokes that it takes to finish the, the, the course, 18 holes. Being a scratch golfer, on a non-championship course from the white tees or even from the blue tees um, is so fundamentally different from being a scratch golfer on a championship course with people standing around watching you shooting from the championship mm-hmm. tees. Yeah. That is a completely different game. The difference between shooting a 71 
at your local municipal course. And don't get me wrong, that's very, very, very difficult. I've never it's, done it. Yeah, that's But quite the difference hard, between shooting a 71 three times a year and then usually shooting a 77 and you're on some mediocre course. Maybe it's a hard course for your area, but it's not Pebble Beach. It's not St. Andrews. It's not a real like pro course. The difference between shooting like a 71 on that course and the difference between that and shooting a 68 as a good round and a 71 as a bad round on the hardest course yeah. with a bunch of people standing around watching you, that's the difference <coughs> between being an excellent amateur and being a professional. And yep. that is in the difference between running a 100-meter dash in over 10 seconds versus under 10 seconds is the difference between being an Olympian and not being an Olympian. And people work their whole lives to go from 10.7 seconds to 9.9 and never get there. And that's where I think I know the, the long, God, People need some different hobbies. Give me a break. Talk know, about right? a Sisyphusian task, folks. Oh, get real. A race, yowza. But, you know, Yikes. some people love it. But my point is, I'm really rambling, but my point is that, like, I feel confident that I belong in the situation I'm in, which is that mm -hmm. I feel like I am confident that I belong in this situation where I am making a small movie with high expectations. Um, I do not think I have earned that much more than that at this point because – does it make sense? Like, I feel yeah, like the, the challenge that is fair. in front of me, um, I, I belong here and I feel every, I've produced other, other people. I've, I've seen many, many, many others. I feel as qualified or more qualified than any of those people that I have bet on in the past. Now, does that mean I would trust myself with a different, much, 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 much bigger movie? Not necessarily, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, they're, they're, it's a different thing. And so it's hard to judge, but that's I think that's another sort of meandering answer is like I want to get to the point where I don't think I'm Tiger Woods, but I want to get to the point where I would have a shot at winning the Masters, not just like playing in three championships or like three pro PGA tournaments and like placing in the top 50, making the cut, whatever. That's fine. The, the, I would love to have a career. I'd be very grateful for a, for the movie version of that career, which is like you make some movies um, some of them are good. Some of them aren't that great. You probably aren't really remembered, quote unquote. Um, you probably don't win any major awards, but like you work, you make movies. That is so, so, so hard. Like yeah. getting to that point is so hard. And I, again, this is very difficult for me to say because I hate being on the record, but I think that if some things line up, some things that are out of my control, that, um, that I probably could could fill that role in the industry very well. Um, I think I'm suited from a personality standpoint, and I think I've done the work in in over the next decade, for example, to sort of work my way into that type of job. But I don't see, and this has been a recurring theme. I don't see any reason to not try. I don't see any reason to shoot for that. You know, like if that's where I land, great. I would be thrilled. I would be so grateful. But I kind of want to try to make something amazing, you know? Mm. Um, I, 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 I don't, and again, that sounds obvious, but it's weirdly not obvious because film is so practical. You know, it's so logistics heavy. It's so money heavy that at the end of the day, it's like a startup, you know, like you want to, you want to start Facebook. Well, I don't know about that. I don't want to start Facebook. Facebook mm -hmm. seems kind of evil, but like you want to start Slack or you want to start, um, you know, you want to start Patagonia, but the way you start a company like that is that you start a good company and you learn how to run a good company and then it grows and it becomes great once you are already like excellent. And it's just weird because what were the two companies you said? What? And Patagonia Slack Slack. So both of those, it's like, <clears throat> idea or a product and very uh convinced people that it's a good and worthwhile product yeah but right? most of them fail 99.9 percent .9 of them never become that right which is also fine and it, yeah it is it is totally fine and if rollers doesn't become that it's not the end of my career you know like i think i i, I think another way to answer the question is um 
can I not totally screw this up? And ah. I think that's where process comes in. You know, like I think yeah. I've done enough of the work that right. I would genuinely be surprised if the movie's bad. Right. Right. Because if it's the an embarrassment. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, got you. It, it, I really don't think it's going to be an embarrassment, but I would be disappointed if it's just not an embarrassment. That mm-hmm. would suck. Yeah. I worked way too hard on this to make a movie that's not an embarrassment. I could probably write a script over the next month and 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 have it just make rollers this script and it would probably not be an embarrassment, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be worth making. Right. So, yeah. So you think you can do it? Well, it's also kind of nuts because we're talking about this almost as if you're not doing it you're doing it so you are no, and that's how it's going to be fun about this show is that a year from now we can revisit these episodes and be like wow we zay sound was, so dumb yeah zay sounds like so falsely humble or zay's <laughs> really arrogant what made him think he wasn't going to embarrass himself you're going to be selling like gmc trucks in yeah. in uh, duluth tractors and i'm going to send I, I this go to for you tractors higher margins I'm going to send you this podcast and it's going to send you on a downward spiral or. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm afraid. You know what I'm afraid of, John? I'm afraid of waiting for Guffman. (laughs) You've seen waiting for Guffman. Yeah, they think they're good and they're not. Oh, that's the whole movie. They think they're good. Yeah, thinks he's good and he isn't. And he interprets everything. Through that lens, every yeah. embarrassing thing that happens, he takes as <laughs> a sign that he's on the right track. Yeah. And we do it's that, tough. dude. We do that as humans, and that is what I'm afraid of. To really boil it down, I'm afraid that I'm waiting for Guffman. And, guys, spoiler alert Guffman doesn't come. Yeah. You know? The guy that they think is Guffman, the, the, the Broadway producer who's going to make all their careers, which, by the way, anyone in the industry immediately knows, and obviously anybody else, but anyone in the industry knows. Like, I know so many people who are Hollywood producers. It doesn't mean shit for my career right now because they don't just, like, hand out opportunities, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people are like, well, if I could just meet the right people. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. I know the right people. I know a bunch of the right people, but they can't just make my movie just because they like me. I'm, I've raised this money myself. Like, that's what I, I, I mean, that's, we should actually, that would be a really good episode. Like, you're not as close as you think. I think is the, 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 the reality, the harsh reality that I would give to a lot of aspiring filmmakers. The, re, the, the, it's, it sounds brutal. It sounds cynical. But the truth is, if you know one or two of the people who could potentially help you out, it's not that they couldn't and won't make you but the chances of them being able to actually catapult you into the next level, uh, you can't bank on it. You know, mm-hmm. like just because you met an NBA scout and just because he came to your game doesn't mean you go to the NBA. You can be yeah. best friends with an NBA scout, but he yeah, still true. has to right, right. sell you to a team. Right, right, right. Does that make sense? That's what I'm saying. Yep. And I think. Yep. I don't want to wait for Guffman. I don't want to wait for the guy who's not going to come. And even if he did come, I'm still bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Before you, Bryce, and I talked about chaos magic, that we're out right. here, not in a supernatural way or whatever. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be some hippy-dippy bullshit. But in some sense, we are creating the reality that we want. So mm. if you want to be a director who is out making shit happen – you have to do that. You have to right. project that and execute on it. Right. In Alcoholics Anonymous and other like support group things, they have the idea of fake it till you make mm-hmm. it. Your feelings, your emotions are transitory, but what you do lasts, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't matter if if you feel disgruntled with your kids or whatever. You have to do certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's applicable. Yeah, I think it absolutely is. I mean, yeah, otherwise you never take that first step, you know? Yeah. Right. Paralyzed by fear. Mm -hmm. But fear of what, really? I mean, if you 
even get this made, even if it's not good, mm-hmm. you have still achieved something that is very, very rare. It's kind I mean, it's a not a great analogy, but it's like it's like you went to the masters already. Mm. You didn't win. Dude, if you went and you're an amateur and you got last absolute dead place in the Masters, that still is a huge, huge uh, feat in and of itself. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, when I watch the Olympics, I wish they would have like a normal guy run the 100-meter dash because you see the guy in yeah, last, you're right. like, what a schmuck. And you're like, he's what the 10th fastest dude in the entire planet. In the world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there uh, – <sighs> I don't know, man. For what? I mean, the glacier thing is real. You're mm-hmm. none of this ultimately matters, but in another sense, you have an obligation, I think, in a in a sense to yourself to just live, not get too worried about this stuff, yeah. not get paralyzed by fear, but just move forward confidently. Like, dude, if you're if you're an architect building a house and all you're doing is sitting around saying, like, I don't know if I'm the best guy and I don't know if right. this is the coolest design. Oh, maybe I should change it. You're not going to do anything. Yeah. Like no, totally. Do stuff. And then all the people that you could provide opportunities for by believing in yourself don't have opportunities. Yeah. And and and, and, and I will and, tell and all you, the young honestly, architects dude, who are like, "Can I be an architect?" Don't get to see you be an architect. They don't get to see you yeah, believe in yourself. You know. You're. I've told you this before, but like doing the podcast with you has. Honestly, in some ways, changed my own perception of things, changed my perception of Mm. myself. So you've done me a service in some ways, and I I imagine it's the same with a lot of the people you're working with out there. So I I don't know, man. That's encouraging. Are you a good director? I don't. It feels like it already. Like you're directing certain things really well. Mm. You know, maybe, dude. Maybe you find out, and maybe I'll find out that um, script writing you need somebody else to write with you or something. Mm-hmm. That's also not, I don't know this cause I haven't read the script honestly, yeah. but let's say it is even that's not the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. You know what I mean? Or vice versa. Like your scripts are awesome and you're like, you know what? I just don't have the eye or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. This is stuff that you can figure out. And it is not my son. Whenever we work on stuff together for school, he has almost this weird in a sense that I also share that it's embarrassing to not know stuff. Mm. So he does. He gets embarrassed when I have to teach him stuff to some extent. It's a little bit of a push and a pull. He's like, I know, I know it, I know it, even if he's wrong. Mm. And I say, listen, man, your teacher, me, everybody, nobody knows this stuff. We have to learn it. Mm-hmm. We have to get better. There's no shame in this. Mm-hmm. It is part of being a human. And I feel that natural impulse. It's almost an embarrassment if I don't. If somebody has to teach me something. Mm. And it's ridiculous. We're out here growing. We're trying to get better. We're doing – we should be doing the best we can with what we have. It is the story of the talents. And the thing that you didn't mention in that is the very famous line of to to whom much is given, much is required. Mm -hmm. And in the story of the talents, they give out different amounts. And so the guy, even if you get a little tiny bit and you come back and you've doubled 10 bucks, you've shown yourself worthy. Mm-hmm. You've, you had a little bit, but you made so much with it. And the guy who had a ton and just buried it, even though he brought back the same amount, which was a lot, he hadn't done shit with it. Right. So it's it's worthless. It, right. I, you're just coming back to me with what I gave you. That's right. not good. Right. So you have some talent. You have some level of talent and you have an obligation to explore it and and perfect what you are good at or attempt to perfect mm. it, right? I think we're called to do that as humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think, Yeah, and I, I think that's – well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And that's a good word. And yeah. Oh, brother Zay. I think uh, – yeah. <laughs> Preach, John. Um, mm. No, but I – yeah, man, I agree. And I, and again, I think I'm, I'm beginning to come to – Again, I, man, these words are hard to get out of my mouth because I don't want to be, I don't want to have like a messiah complex, but there is part of me that's like, for whatever reason, I have been put in this situation and Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, other people want to make this movie and not a different movie. And I don't need to understand exactly why, period. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need to understand why they're betting on me you know that that's almost irrelevant you know like i i'm trusting the process and i'm trusting smart people and 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 again yeah i um i owe it to them 
to do my best. Um, and 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 they're big, they're big, they're grownups, and they they can choose to not bet on me. Um, mm-hmm. That that that's their risk that they're taking, and I don't owe them anything more than I promise. And 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 what I promise is not perfection, and what I promised is my best, you know, and and effort and process. Um, and so as long as I don't like th- do something unexpected, like make a different movie than we talked about, there's. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot. A documentary do. about cheese. Well, I am actually really excited. I had a conversation with a good friend who's going to come on soon, hopefully. But he and his brothers are directors, and 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 they're actually they're wanting to get involved. And um, it seems like the best way for them to get involved actually is to just hang around and make behind the scenes content, which I'm really excited about. Oh, baby! Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Because um, again, I, I, I again we joke about it constantly, but I I am very serious. I do think. That the reason, part of the reason this podcast exists, part of the reason I think making behind the scenes content is worthwhile is because it is valuable apart from the value of the movie as a piece of art. Um, I think process is not only interesting to people, but if I fail as a filmmaker, but I succeed as a documentarian of the process, then I didn't fail. And maybe I can make someone else more successful in their own pursuit of their own film by helping them avoid some of the pitfalls that I've, that I've hit. And part of the way that I might succeed if I do manage to is because other people share their own stuff and, and share their failures more importantly than even their successes, you know, like seeing, watching the PT Anderson doc about Magnolia makes him so it's on YouTube. You know, he's so human. Um, that you begin to realize like he's in the same boat, you know, he doesn't believe Magnolia is good. Um, and he, he believes it to the extent that he has to, but at the end of the day, he has all the same insecurities everyone else has, but he trusts the process. He doesn't undermine himself. He, he has self sabotaging impulses and thoughts, but at the end of the day, he acts on his instincts that tell him to go for it. And that's why you get a PT Anderson. You know, and Magnolia, it's one of the most magical movies ever made. Absolutely. The content is crazy. And if you're at all interested in the bizarre or or you like films, it's a it's an absolute must see. Mm -hmm. I would totally agree. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So I haven't seen that documentary, but he's all self doughty and mopey. Absolutely. He's freaking out the entire time. Even there's a band. Even after it's made. Have you heard of have you heard of the band Hyam? No. It's a girl, it's an all-girl band. I think they're sisters, three sisters. Hmm. And he directed uh, one of their music videos. I forget what it's called, but just look up Haim, H-A-I-M, P.T. Anderson. And it turns out the girls uh, who make up Haim, their mom was P.T. Anderson's like English teacher or something. Hmm. So they called in a favor. But they've gotten pretty popular at Bayou cool. in L.A. I'll check them out. I try to stay up on the scene. We'll link them. We'll link to him. Um, all right, John. This has been a really this has been a good episode. Good therapy sesh. I think it's great. I'm I personally on a on a just a personal note that we can leave in or not. But I after our conversation the other day, I got so excited for you. Um, it sounded like you had made so much progress. I was really excited. Thanks, man. Uh, I think um, I think you know regardless of what happens. Um, this has been a really cool experience, and I'm excited to see this movie, man. I'm excited to read it today, and I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to get some like shitty cut together mm. version of it in like March 12th. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it is worth noting. Um, uh, yeah, well, first of all, thank you, and also it is worth noting that this is that point you know like we are transitioning from what's called development which is Mm -hmm. idea based and team based and very startup-y to pre-production production and um there's a very the, the, the the uh in the studio system there's a distinct moment that that happens uh it's a little less where you get a green light you know you officially start getting money but um it's a little more nebulous in the indie world but that is where we're at we're at the point where we are green lighting the movie we are writing checks we are putting deposits down we're signing contracts we are making the movie and in the coming weeks especially we've got maybe a few more episodes a few more weeks until christmas 
Um, mm. But and then I'm gonna take a nice real vacation. I didn't really rest much over Thanksgiving. I'm gonna actually rest, which scares me because I'm scared to take time off from the movie. But the reality is, I need to. I'm gonna yeah. rest over Christmas, and then I'm gonna come back in the new year. And um, Greta's gonna come to town. Tara's gonna be in town. The crew's gonna start showing up, and it's gonna be real. I mean, we are we are really we are four weeks away from the beginning of production and i don't mean principal photography but i mean boots on the ground making a movie um and that gets me jacked you know it gets me really excited and and it's worth noting to your point you know like we are now in the this is not a theoretical thing anymore this is a real thing um and and i hope uh I, i i'm excited that this podcast already exists you know, because I want to, I want to yeah. track that, you know, like it's, it's going so fast, you know, I don't even know that mentally I would have made that note in my head had you not just pointed it out, you know, so I think that's just like a moment to sort of put a marker of like, that's part of, that's, that's one of the goals of this show in general is to, it's a milestone, you know what I mean, to, to embrace that yeah. kind of stuff, so, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. No, dude, it's great. I mean, oh, sorry, God. I'm looking. No, no, no. I was gonna ramble more, but you're right to cut us off. Word to all your moms, kicking it so real, so raw. It's your boy, the one and only Lil Johnny Bear, from beside the roaring fire. It's cold as a mother, and twice as deep in the streets. We and the one and only mother flipping CHA, where little homies drink moonshine from jugs all day. This episode of I Guess We'll Do It That Way was edited by the aforementioned Wizard of Dingusry, me, Sir Johnny Bear, Knight of the Contrarian. It was produced by our most fearful overlord, Dame Zay, lady of efficient tasks and hater of robot voice credits. Opening song is the Get Down by Summery Dregs. Closing song was Max and Tom Paulus's thing, sorry guys. Closing song is, Sincerely Yours, by Ninth Wonder. Cover art by Nate Giordano. This has been a Mama Bear production. Kiss yo mama. <laughs>